Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. My family and I had a uh, backyard camping trip uh, over the weekend, and we were sitting around on the deck, um, roasting, uh, making s'mores, and just having a good time as a family. And uh, over the course of that conversation, we're... um, came up that I had gotten my flu shot and so had my sister and uh, we got to reminiscing about the experience and then uh, kind of went back to that moment like a year ago and uh, I won't say where but we had been to a location that incentivizes such vaccinations and we uh, had gone to a particular location of that uh, establishment and I had remarked, was like, man, you know, so much has changed in a year. But I had remarked, like, uh, going that last year, man, you know, we went in and they took us in this room and it was really dingy. And, uh, you know, I don't think, I don't even think that the, the, uh, um, the pharmacist was wearing, like, gloves. And uh, just my wife looked at me like, what what are you talking about? Um, she's like, none, none of that is true. And so we're kind of laughing about it. I'm like, no, it was, it was just, don't you remember? It was really dingy. And my sister jokes, you know, well, maybe... She probably used a dirty needle, you know, just uh, kind of this humorous moment. And Jess incredulously said, uh, incredulously said, no, Matt, none of that is is true. And uh, we got to talking and, you know, I think I conceded that perhaps my fear of needles had um, shaded my recollection of that particular moment that I, like all of us, I think at times needed a little help uh, remembering. And today I think we find... Uh, in our reading from Habakkuk, that uh, Habakkuk helps us here. That he is himself, we find him uh, this week in, in a moment of remembrance. And uh, I, I think helps us in, in our own remembering. So for Habakkuk, out of his experience again of last week, uh, his experience that the whole earth, the promise of God, that the whole earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, and that God is in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silence, that out of those experiences, out of that silence, we find Habakkuk offering this prayer, O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it, he says. In the midst of the years, make it known, and wrath remember mercy. Here's Habakkuk, out of the silence of his experience uh, uh, in the previous chapters, we find him now giving voice to this prayer, which is a prayer of remembrance, a a, a move in his life that he invites us into, and we'll see over the next few verses, uh, helps us in our own remembering, uh, but invites us uh, to join him in in remembering what God has done and then asking him uh, to work again. I think it's important to note that Habakkuk doesn't land here uh, in spite of his questions. That uh, this is not a conclusion he has reached sort of skirting the issue. No, he he has come to this moment, this prayerful sort of hope in who God is in the past and and calling him to move in the present. He he, he comes to this precisely through his questions, through his struggles, uh, through his dialogue with God around his frustrations concerning the evil and the injustice that he has witnessed around him, uh, both within Judah and without, through that process, that dialogue, he arrives uh, at this prayer. In the face of those questions, again, about injustice, uh, and in the face of God's answers that, as we've seen, uh, even for Habakkuk and us, uh, are beyond his ability uh, to grasp at times. Out of that experience, we we join Habakkuk in, in this move towards prayerful 
uh, remembrance. And specifically, again, it's as we just kind of walk through this passage, maybe a loose structure if you want to take notes or if, uh, uh, that's a way you kind of hopefully process information. Uh, I, I think uh, there's, a, there's a bit of a framework here to Habakkuk's remembering that right from the start, kind of the central point here is that he is remembering God, remembering what he has done. But the first thing we notice, and it's in the title actually of this prayer, before we get into the meat of it, there's that word uh, there in verse one that we probably just read over, uh, but it's a, a word that, that calls to mind um, uh, a corporate prayer, that this is a public song of, of faith, a, a prayer of and for the people, a prayer that the community of God, the people of God would have picked up uh, and, and themselves used to help one another remember, that this remembering of God becomes corporate. And I think that's an important piece, again, much like my experience of my flu shot last year, that, um, that sometimes we all need a little help remembering. And here, uh, this prayerful move in Habakkuk is really no different. So uh, first, uh, it's corporate, this remembering of God. We gather week to week to remember. We encourage one another because at times it gets hard to see and hard to remember who God is in the rhythm of worshiping together as a community, virtually or in person. Uh, that rhythm helps us to remember. But a couple of the things uh, to notice here about the nature of Habakkuk's remembering. As he thinks about God's intervention in the past, we notice in the first couple of verses of this prayer, verses 3 through 7, uh, that, that uh, Habakkuk's remembering is really specific. It's, it's particular. Again, this is a loose structure, but those first few verses are, are calling to mind images of God's specific intervention in the history of his people around really two events. Uh, the Exodus, uh, God saving them and rescuing them out of Egypt, and then their experience in the wilderness around Sinai, God giving them the Ten Commandments, God forming them and making them um, into his people, expressions of his character uh, in the world at that time. That, that this moment, Habakkuk again, is calling to mind images of a specific moment of God's work in their history and in their past. And I know sometimes as we read scripture, a lot of times it, uh, it just, it all kind of gets lumped somewhere back there. But it, I think it's helpful to kind of think and recognize here what Habakkuk is doing. That, that he is, for, for Habakkuk, looking back to moments some uh, approximately 700 years prior to the moment of his writing. Again, another nudge for us, as we've seen repeatedly over the course of these few chapters, that our view of time and history and God's work within it are often so limited, but God, God is not limited by um, that perspective. And here is Habakkuk inviting us into this process of remembering um, and remembering for him something 700 years prior, uh, a particular moment of God's work which I think moves us into where he sort of turns next as we recognize that uh, God's sense of justice again is on a scale very different from ours, but uh, that it, even in our limited perspective, God is not, is not limited. It moves us to the next couple of verses. We discovered not only is Habakkuk's remembering particular and specific, but it's, it's cosmic. Verses 8 through 11, again, loosely sort of... Um, call to mind images of God's victory over 
cosmic uh, forces, powers, that, that as Habakkuk remembers uh, particularly what God has done, it, it, it moves him to recognize that even the evil and all the wickedness behind all of that, God is bigger than all of those things. Annie Dillard, who's a, a writer and, and professor uh, of writing, I believe, um, uh, perhaps most well known for Pilgrim at, at Tinker Creek, if you're familiar with her writing, but has written in a collection of essays called Teaching a Stone to Talk. And she has a description in, in one of those essays that I think is helpful for us as, as we think about this particular aspect of our remembering. This is what she says. Why do people in churches seem like cheerful, brainless tourists on a package tour of the absolute, here a nod to the cosmic, the absolute, the, uh, the, the greatness here that is to be known. She goes on to, uh, to really cast some heat on coffee and donuts at church. And if you've been around Park City uh, for any length of time prior to COVID, you'll know why I'm just going to skip those sentences and we're going to move on into what she says next, particularly as a fan of coffee and donuts. Uh, but she goes on, does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we so blithely invoke? Or as I suspect, does no one believe a word of it? The churches are, are children uh, playing on the floor with their chemistry sets, mixing up, you know, she says explosives, right? We think we're playing with chemistry toys, but really we're mixing up explosives. It's madness, she says, to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church, we should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews, for the sleeping God may wake someday and take offense. Or the waking God may draw us to where we can never return. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Such a vivid image, but a nod, I think, to where Habakkuk draws us in this moment. That the God that he remembers, not just in these particular moments, is he evident, but that he is, uh, his remembering is cosmic. That God uh, holds all of it, which moves him then to maybe, a, again, just a final aspect of his remembering. That it's contextual. He takes that memory of something specific in the past, what it says to him about God's power over uh, all of it, um, and, and brings that into his present moment to help him understand and trust uh, God in the face of, of his context. In this moment, the Babylonians and, and the wickedness even within Judah. Here then is the movement, right? Moving from this particular memory of, of God's faithfulness in the past and, and, and the recognition that, uh, that, that God is, is in control of, of all of it, that his, his power is not limited, um, that this turn then gives him hope in his present context that God holds. God holds it all. He held it then and he holds it now. Like last week, I think uh, this reading gives me a pause. It just, um, it just prompts me to, to, to pump the brakes, I think, in my own life and conversations around faith. As I, as I thought about what it might look like to apply this, this movement, this, this kind of remembering of who God is to my life, to our lives, to our context, I, I think, again, like, like previous weeks, we, we have to admit up front that this is, a, this is a form of remembrance that evokes humility, that, that calls us uh, into a humble posture. That a God of this nature, as we remember a God of this nature, we admit and recognize that he is not contained. 
He's not contained within my definitions and explanations. He's not limited. He's not confined to my perspectives. That, that he is not contained. Maybe to put it even more bluntly for our, our present moment, that he's not contained to a particular political party any more than he's uh, defined or contained within a geographical or ethnic boundary. That the whole world is his creation. All of it, Judah and Babylon, right? All of the world is, is within his purview. He judges all of it. And as I remember a God of that scope and scale, who not only remembers me in the particular moments, uh, but, but who um, not only works in those particular moments, but, but who uh, holds all of it, well, it, it nudges me, us, I think, Habakkuk, into a, a position or a posture of, of humility. I mean, consider again uh, Habakkuk's position. And over the last few weeks, as we've read these chapters, uh, most recently, last week, uh, we saw, you know, his view of the world and its systems around him are clearly broken. Right? Uh, he sees Babylon and, and, and a really detailed list of, of things that are really still prevalent in the world, injustice, racial inequities, uh, exploitation of the poor uh, for the benefit of the rich, all of these, a whole list of characteristics, again, that, that are all too familiar, uh, reflective of the, the systems of the world in Babylon for Habakkuk, all of them broken and in for God's judgment. But remember where we started, not just the world, Habakkuk says, so too are God's people, broken. Uh, the world outside is a mess, but so is the world within. And Habakkuk, in this remembering of God and his work, and in his uh, helpful reminders to us in our remembering, situates us in, in a position and a posture of humility. That there is really only one hope for this kind of situation. There's only one hope for Habakkuk. And spoiler alert, right, where we're headed, it's not in his righteousness or ours. It is solely, ever, and only in the character of the one to whom he prays. The solution to, to the uh, injustice and dilemmas of his day, again, is not in, in, in any rightness within ourselves, but is in the character and rightness and righteousness of the God to whom he, he calls and invites us to call and pray to and remember as well. And so this is the first move here as Habakkuk prays, he remembers God. But this, I think, brings us, leads us to really what I think is the true miracle of this passage, the gospel hope of, of our reading uh, this morning. Uh, that yes, with Habakkuk and, and following his lead and, and stepping into uh, this pattern, we remember God, yes. But really what Habakkuk is doing and what he invites us to do is that we remember God's remembering of us. That all of this language about God's activity and intervention and work, particular and cosmic in scale and scope, all of that remembering of God's work then and now for Habakkuk, the anchor of that remembering, the, the, the source of hope in all of that is that God remembers us. And we find it at the end of our reading, this phrase in verse 13, you, he says, Habakkuk prays, you went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. He remembers his people. He, he remembers 
us. Consider uh, what's happening here, okay? Habakkuk has been remembering God and his intervention, his work uh, in the world. Uh, but 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 there's there's a there's a nod here that that his remembering is is. Uh, not just nostalgia. I heard one writer or read one writer put it like this, that it's a kind of bifocal view of the world, that he's looking out, uh, uh, recognizing God's faithfulness of remembering in the past and pulling it into his present contemporary moment. Not so he can just kind of live in the good old days, right? And, and we are so prone to that, I think, uh, in any community, but particularly in the church, just, uh, well, shoot, even now, uh, the good old days of the pre-COVID of what church community might look like, but this is not Habakkuk. He's not sort of, oh man, I wish, you know, the, the good old days, we could just get back. Uh, this is not what Habakkuk is doing. Rather, he's, uh, he is taking um, evidence of God's remembering of his people in the past, bringing bringing it into his current moment in such a way that it reshapes and redefines uh, his understanding and view of the world around him. That he's, he's realigning his expectations of what is possible in the present uh, with what he knows to be true of the one who has defined and redefined and created that reality. The God who holds all of it. Again, not a nostalgia, not a sugarcoating of the difficulties that he's facing. I mean, we'll see next week where he lands. Habakkuk will say, though the fig tree doesn't produce any fruit yet, yet, he says. Right? This is not a happy, clappy, kind of detached serenity, right? Just grin and bear it or be joyful in spite of it. Uh, no, this, this is an honest recognition of just how bad things have gotten around him, but a recognition that the God to whom he prays is the one who raises the dead to life. The one whose spirit has raised the dead Christ out of lifelessness, who reshapes and redefines reality. And that for Habakkuk and for us gives hope that the God to whom he prays is the God who holds all of it. Once again, Habakkuk is drawing our attention to the character of the one to whom we bring all of those questions and frustrations and injustices. Who is he? Whom do we remember in this journey of remembering? We remember the one who remarkably, miraculously remembers us. As remarkable as our remembering may be, and we are so prone to forget, as necessary as it is, the real miracle is that God remembers us. And all of our brokenness and waywardness and sinfulness and evil and mistreatment of one another and, and forgetting of him, that in all of our forgetting and neglecting, God continues to remember. It's the truth we bump into right at the beginning of this prayer that we read. In verse 2, in wrath, Habakkuk prays, remember mercy. Remembering an act in this moment of prayer. That in spite of, of how regularly we are disappointments to God, that in spite of, of just how effective sin has been at working brokenness and sinfulness and injustice into our lives and into our world, yet again and again, God regularly acts to save and to heal. He remembers. It's the language of Psalm 103. He knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. And yet, and yet God would put on flesh and live among us. Jesus, the clearest 
picture, an expression, a definition of God's remembering of us. We struggle, I think, sometimes with God's wrath, but, but is it hard to believe that God would be angry, that his wrath would burn against the way we treat one another, that he would look, uh, is it hard to believe that he would look at, at the stranglehold that sin has on this world and the universe and, and the way we treat one another and, and the systemic consequences of that sinfulness in our world? Is it hard to believe that, that, that looking at such brokenness, such injustice, tragedy, hate. Is it a surprise that it would uh, invoke wrath in that moment? And yet, and yet, God himself would turn in his wrath and remember mercy and step concretely into all of that brokenness in the humanity of Jesus. Of all the ways he could have responded, he assumes our place as the fitting recipients of the consequences of all of that injustice and brokenness and wickedness, all of the effects and works of sin in our lives and in our world. He assumes that place. The cross then and the resurrection, the clearest expression of God's remembering of us and his ability in that remembering to hold it all and to and to move and work in ways that call us to hope and trust. That in Jesus, you might say our remembering of God, our remembering of God meets God's remembering of us. Interestingly, Habakkuk doesn't say in wrath, God, remember just how good I've been. In wrath, God, remember, you know, I've been pretty faithful here. Now, Habakkuk's hope and ours is not rooted uh, in, in, in his own performance, but only in the character of God. He's one of a long line of biblical writers who invite us and whose hope itself is anchored in God's remembering and not ours. I was thinking about what it, what it might look like um, to illustrate or, or maybe to help help us appreciate uh, a little more clearly what it what it looks like for God's remembering. And um, I, uh, you know, as a family, we've, we've sort of been stuck in this loop of nostalgic remembering ourselves. I have twin daughters that just turned eight a month or so ago. And uh, we, we've, we've just been in a habit or a, a kind of a rhythm of, of remembering. Around their birthday, we were pulling up like old photos. I'm like, do you guys remember this? What's your earliest memory? Uh, you know, it's looking at pictures and then, and through uh, that lens of looking at pictures, then us kind of retelling stories. Oh, do you remember, man? I know you were too young to remember this, but but this was the time you cried all the way around uh, this castle in Scotland and uh, everyone knew we were there, right? Like we were just kind of telling stories and, and helping one another, helping our children to, to remember. I actually have a picture here. Uh, you know, I just kind of was thinking about, aside from a shameless plug for, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> pulling you into family memories. Uh, you know, this was just kind of telling, looking at moments like this. These were some of their first steps in a, a little a park in Scotland. Uh, just remembering, remembering. Uh, and, and while, you know, I'll admit it was pretty much just nostalgic in the moment, I, I do think you know, upon further reflection, kind of stepping away, my hope is that something a little more is, is happening there. 
that really what, what we're doing, what I hope we're doing is that we're situating them in, in a narrative, a, a story. We're, we're giving meaning and shape to their lives. We're telling them through these memories and these stories that they are ours, ours. And we are, we are theirs, that in a sense, we're saying we remember you. We attend to you. We love you. We're helping them to know, to remember um, that we remember them. We're, we're, what I hope is happening is that we're giving, uh, we're giving shape through these memories of security and love and, and support. We're giving shape to their lives now and their futures as well as they step into all of the uncertainties and insecurities, and difficulties that may lie in front of them that they'll carry with them into all of those unknowns, this remembering, our remembering of them, that they are known, that they are loved. I have another picture here, probably a more accurate depiction. Uh, <laughs> asleep on the couch, right? You'll notice the, the laptop, the, the Curious George, she's watching the batteries running out. Um, you know, probably this one, I think they have no problem remembering because it continues to kind of play out in our home as I uh, fall asleep at inopportune times. But, uh, but, but what I think, the, the hope of Habakkuk and the gospel, the message to us this morning, what I hope my, my children will know uh, what I hope, even in our uh, helping them to remember, that we remember, yes, but, but the hope, the glorious hope of the gospel is that God remembers us. That he's not sleeping, he's not napping, he's not tired. He's not overrun as so many parents in this particular moment trying to balance career and, and, and homeschooling children or taking care of toddlers all at the same time. Right? He's, not, he's not at the end sort of, of his rope and tired. He's not... Uh, He's not gassed and finished, but he's present. Present and aware, attending to and loving, remembering you. And maybe that's all you need to hear this morning. That in the midst of all of our efforts to remember God, the rhythm, you're here this morning of coming to church and fellowshiping with one another and reflecting on scripture, always trying to remember, remember God and who he is, that maybe all we need to hear this morning is that in the midst of all of that effort, however good or bad we may be doing at the moment, God remembers you. And your own struggle with sin and unrighteousness much like Habakkuk in his days, he looked around and in your own sort of overwhelming perhaps struggle with those things, you need to hear the gospel truth that God remembers you. Or maybe in your own anger at injustice or perhaps your experience of it, we're reminded this morning of the hope of the gospel seen so clearly in the person of Jesus that even when we forget, even when we struggle in our memory, God remembers you. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.